to the Marcus Coat Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Coat. Welcome back, guys. Thanks to you all for tuning in each week. I do really appreciate it. I have loved bringing you an episode each week. Today I'm joined by Jacob Tober, who is a strength conditioning coach and educator at Core Advantage. I love this chat, so please sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Marcus Co Fitness Podcast, Jacob. Hey Marcus, how you going? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. I've never been the guest on a podcast. I've had right. guests on, but I've never been on anyone else's. This is, this is a first and I'm excited. Perfect. Now, thanks for joining me as well. It's good to catch up. Firstly, how are you going at the moment? How's all your athletes? And then how's the gym tracking at the moment? Yeah, uh, so it was a pretty tough 2020, as I know everyone in the fitness industry would be aware. Um, It's been a good bounce back, though. And I think our athletes are really, like, you don't know how much you enjoy something or appreciate something until it's taken away. Yeah. So I think the fact that you know, we had the gym and we had training and we had our teams and all that sort of stuff taken away and to be brought, to have that brought back and given back to us, you know, as the way Melbourne is currently, I think it's been really enjoying. So everyone's really enjoying their training a lot more. So there's a lot more enthusiasm and a lot more motivation and the, the vibes are really good. So, so yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a challenging year, but I think, you know, what doesn't kill you, it makes you strong is a bit ridiculous because things that don't kill you can in fact make you weaker. Um, but in this case, you know, getting through the pandemic and getting through a lockdown has made everyone really enjoy their training and really motivated to work hard at it. That's good. As most of the athletes have come back and you've, I suppose, have you gotten added extra people as well to the gym as well? Yeah, so we had a bit of attrition during lockdown. So we, we yeah. already had remote training set up, which was really good. So we were able to move all our in-gym athletes to that remote program when the first lockdown hit. I think it was March or whenever yeah. it was. Um, you're naturally going to lose some people who don't want to do remote training or they don't want to be involved in that. So they'll cancel their memberships or pause their membership. So we had a, a little bit of loss there. Yeah. And then we had that weird June, July period where everyone kind of rushed back because yeah. it looked like Melbourne was back out of their lockdown. <laughs> uh, and so that was good. So we had a lot of return then. Yeah. And we slowly had return of the second one. Although the second one, it seemed like we had a more hardcore base of athletes. Yeah. So that harder core base was less likely to drop off at that point, it seemed. Um, so then the second lockdown, not as many drop-offs. And then since then, yeah, growth's been pretty good. Yeah, that's Nothing awesome. earth-shattering and, you know, just slow, slow and steady. You don't want to grow. We find we don't want to grow too fast because then the quality of the training and the quality of the onboarding really drops. Yeah. So we prefer to grow at a nice, steady, consistent pace every week so that we can give athletes an individualized experience. No, that's awesome to hear. I just want to start off by, I suppose, where it all started for you, um, your background and then fitness industry. Yeah, sure. So it's, was it 2021? So I've been at Corey Advantage now for eight years. I yep. started uh, with an internship in 2013, which was my final year of uni. So 2013 was my last year of my sports science degree at Deakin. Uh, started an internship at Corey Advantage. Didn't know the private sector was a thing. Uh, and so when I learned about the private sector and the idea that people could pay memberships, like a personal training membership, or like a gym membership, but for athletic development, for strength and conditioning, I was like, oh, that's a really cool model. That's something I really want to get involved in. So yeah. Started up with Durham then. There was only myself, Durham, and Rob, one other guy, and then got hired straight in the internship and then developed from there. Um, but before that, I actually found out about Durham through my own uh, athletic career. I suppose you could call it an athletic career. Um, when I was playing basketball, uh, I played one season at Nunawanning in Youth League, yeah. um, which is the top, top uh, under-23s, under-22s sort of competition here in Victoria. 
Um, played that one season, mostly on the bench. Uh, had reached the limit of my uh, height and athleticism, which was okay. <laughs> but one of my teammates trained with Durham and said, if you're into strength and conditioning basketball, you should go see this guy, Durham. And so I did. Yeah. Uh, and I went along to, um, I sent him just cold email. Hi, Durham. I've heard about you through my teammate, BJ. He says, you do this. If anything's available, let me know. Yeah. And he said, nothing's available, but I'll keep you in mind. And then come January, they then started their formal internship. This is January, 2013. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I got a call, said, hey, we've now got something. Would you like to come in for an interview? So I did. Uh, it was like a 45 degree day or something ridiculously hot. Uh, and they had back at the old gym, they had this shoebox office, third floor of a, like an apartment building type situation. Yep. It was this big old, big old gym body world. Shoebox office was Durham's. So it was Durham, Rob and myself in this office, 40 degree day. I was in a shirt and pants. I'd worked out that morning and I'm a world-class sweater. Right? I just <laughs> sweat like it's nobody's business. And so I got sweaty walking up the stairs. And so then in there, uh, in the meeting and I was just sweat was just dripping down my nose as we're sitting in this tiny little scorching hot office. Uh, and I blew the interview, like <laughs> properly stuffed it up. Uh, I was overly confident. I was full of myself. I was telling them how they should do their business better as some rookie second year uni student. Um, and luckily they only had four applicants that semester for the internship. Yep. So four for four got in. Yeah. Um, and had it been any more, I would not have made the cut. So had 15 <laughs> people applied for 10 spots, I would have been in the five people missed out because I did that for a job. But they called me up afterwards and said, look, Jacob, you're in. Um, you're into the internship. It's a six-month thing. Starts in two weeks. Um, but here's a bit of feedback on your interview. You yep. really stuffed it up. You came in full of yourself, overly confident. Like there's no deferential, there's no power sort of dynamic in it. I was just kind of going in there telling them how to do it better. Um, which is not the way to do it to someone who's got 18 years of experience or at that time, 14 years of experience yeah. to your zero. Um, and so that feedback really sort of, oh, okay. I don't know as much as I think I know. Yeah. And so I kind of use it as a chance to reset. And then during the internship, just absolutely loved it, really embraced the opportunity and sort of was just hungry for knowledge, asked good questions, learned that deferential kind of thing of like, okay, you're the rookie here or the intern. You're not the big dog. You're not here to tell them how to do it. You're here to learn absorb yeah. help out and so i took that approach i don't think i missed a saturday for like 50 or 60 straight saturdays um that they were open i just was at every single shift um learned the athletes names and got stuff from there and then absolutely loved it and was lucky enough to get hired and haven't looked back since yeah that's awesome during your internship i suppose was it mainly like you had your practical and then your theory i said on the side of it or was there certain days you did a bit of both yeah, so back back then, uh, it was one a one-hour theory sort of lecture on a Monday afternoon, which yep. was done in the boxing room, sort of on yoga mats on the ground. Uh, and that was lived by Rob, who was the head of education at the time, uh, yep. who's now off being a physio uh, and loving loving that. He's got, I think, four degrees or something ridiculous. He's a very smart guy. Yeah. And so then uh, he was running that. And then Durham was the head coach on the floor, and it would be practical with him. So I think I did Saturdays for the first 15 weeks. Yeah, uh, and then I started doing Saturdays and Wednesdays. So I'd do those shifts. Athletes would come in. I'd watch how Darren would program for them. I'd watch how they, he'd cue their exercises and what they would do, uh, and then went from there. Yeah, so just as as I learned, as I grew in confidence, as I sort of I suppose gained permission is a weird term, but as I sort of gained permission and acceptance with the athletes, I was then able to coach them more and deliver more feedback and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So. And now the internship is, is very similar structure. So you come in, you do practical and you do, uh, I suppose, two shifts, two four-hour shifts in the gym per week to meet your 140 hours over the six months. 
uh, and then we do a practical, which is now a uh, theory rather, which is delivered online. Yep. So we do an online theory component, which is um, the lectures I film, which you've done through the online yep. mentorship, which we also now sell as a product. So yep. those who can't, either don't have the time or don't have access to Core Advantage, um, we now sell our online courses that were originally the internship, then now packaged up as online courses that you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's funny looking back for you now that when you went through the internship, now you run the internship yourself. So I think that's you probably never really thought, or I don't know, you, maybe you, your goals were to think to be able to progress yourself up to there, to be able to educate others now at the moment as well. So did you ever, you'd ever like, yeah, work yourself up to run, like yeah, be able to run Core Advantage as well now? Um, let's let's not get things confused. I do not run Core Advantage. <laughs> I'm part of a great team that runs Core Advantage. Yeah, yeah. So Durham is still our director and our founder. Uh, I'm head of education and I do um, our, most, I run a lot of our testing division stuff. So I'm in charge yeah. of that with our athlete testing. Uh, and then we have Pat, who's now developing into our sort of our head coach role in the gym. Yeah. So he's very much in charge of what happens in the gym on a day-to-day basis in, in onboarding athletes and the, and the sort. Yeah. Um, but my God, yeah, I suppose in terms of, was it my goal to uh, become the, you know, the head coach or run the internship or anything yeah. like that? Not really. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to progress yeah. What that progression looked like, I wasn't really too fussy about, um, but I did want to continue either developing as a you know a junior coach into a senior coach. And then when Rob moved on to go do his physio course, that kind of left that opening. Um, yeah. And having been the next hire under Durham, Durham was busy growing the business. We needed someone to then manage the internship and I kind of stepped into that role. Uh, and so these days I don't actually manage the internship as much. So while I'm the, my title is head of education, yeah. Pat actually runs the day-to-day side of the internship because I do a lot less coaching these days. Yeah. So Pat is more in charge of the actual day-to-day mentoring and, and working with the interns. And I then run the uh, online technical side of things in terms of keeping that all running squeaky clean and polished. Yeah, perfect. That's really good. Um, leading on to this next one, I'd love to hear like those core advantage, what the business is and what separates you guys from other private sectors in the, in the other areas as well. Yeah, so Core Advantage, we've been around since, or Durham's been doing this since 99, 1999. He started training athletes out of Body World. Uh, and then we moved into our current facility, must be six or seven years ago now. So if I've been there for eight, no, it must be six. So uh, what's that, 2015? 2015, we moved down to a high performance center. Uh, and originally we were just we we're just a gym. So just a really good gym for athletes of all ages with injuries or performance goals. They want to you know, they want to move from the threes team to the ones. They want to make Oakley Charges or TAC Cup or NAB Cup as it is now. Um, they want to go from, you know, the, the rep team to the state team. They want to play for Australia. They want to go to the Olympics. Whatever their goal was, we were sort of the, the middleman to help them get there. And so often when an athlete reaches the highest level, so they reach the AFL or the Olympic level, you know, an Australian team, whatever it might be, they get all this brilliant care. World-class coaches, strength and conditioning facilities, physios, nutritionists, sports psychologists, all this stuff. And we were... Our goal has always been, well, let's provide that to the athletes on their way to the elite level. So before you get to drafted in the AFL, the, the support you will get in the AFL, get it on the way there so you're more likely to make it. You will arrive with a more you know, pro-level body. Yeah. You will arrive fitter, less injuries, healthier, and with a good awareness and understanding of how good high-performance training works so that you can keep yourself healthy and fit and then optimize your performance. So it's effectively high-performance for, for everybody. So for the private sector, in terms of those on their way up, then you don't have to be wanting to get drafted. You could just want to, you know, be able to play your domestic game every week pain-free. Yeah, that's, that's right. a goal as well. And so we can help athletes with that. So if you're an athlete playing a sport, we can kind of help you. That's kind of our, our goal. Um, and so we do that. And now we offer the online education stuff. So we're trying to help 
other coaches help their athletes with better training and great training as well. Um, personal trainers in the sort as well. And then we're doing, we're now doing more remote and online coaching as well. So training digitally through email and video calls and all that kind of stuff on top of what we're already doing there. Yeah. Yeah, so it separates you guys and you guys run it really well too, which is good. And do you have like many, I suppose, gen pop people as well that do come in, as you said, like just wanting to maybe, yeah, just be, be a bit fitter or yeah, even just like pain-free with different things? Um, a handful, uh, not a huge amount. It's not our It's not our focus. Yeah. It's not our market that we're going for specifically, um, yeah. but we do get a handful from time to time and it's kind of a case-by-case decision. So we're not, we're not a gym for everyone. We're not just a snap for any time fitness where you can just yeah. come in and do whatever the hell you want. We, we all have our, all our athletes on structured programs. Yeah. We test them, we assess, we make sure we're progressing, all that kind of stuff. So it would depend where that gen pop person fits that specific yeah. context. So whether they're going to thrive in that environment. And if they're not, we'll pass them on and we'll refer them on to a gym in the area that might be more, more suited to them. So yeah, if you're a gen, gen, popper, gen pop person, but you also like running, you know, fun run 10K stuff or you do the occasional triathlon or you still play your domestic tennis or whatever it might be, then yeah, then you're welcome. And you have to then uh, understand that environment. That's an athlete-based environment and then be interested in the, the sort of the performance side of training, not just the exercise side of training. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good response there. I love that. Next one, I know your, your big passion on this one as well, velocity-based training. I'd love to hear or love mm. to get listeners a bit of an understanding of what it is um, how it works and not, not many people would uh, know what it is but yeah and then what is the role that plays with training and then for your athletes as well I know I've done a bit with it as well and I find it yeah really beneficial for yeah, myself as well so I'd love to hear that yeah so VBT or velocity training is a bit of a passion project of mine I've uh, just a couple of months ago converted my Instagram into a VBT I suppose insta blog is that the word <laughs> yeah. I'm too old for this sort of thing. It's effectively a blog, um, but in Instagram format. So yeah. not many people go to websites to read blogs. So I thought I'd take my blogging idea and these these concepts I want to share and just put them onto Instagram. So uh, it's a very niche page. It's not you know not full of products and fun <clears> up <throat> and dogs and you know Insta Insta fitness models and things like that. Yeah. Um, more information educational. But yeah, velocity based training. It's kind of the wrong name. I think when you you're like, oh, so you do training with speed. Cool. It's not so much about having a training system or a training philosophy based around speed per se, in you know fast dynamic effort lifts. Yeah, it's more about using velocity and the velocity of your training as a as another metric to give you more rich data on how you're going. So, yeah. you know, we train, we look at sets, reps, load, rest periods, volume, tonnage, things like that. They tell us a lot about the quantity of your training, but they don't tell us much about the quality of your training. And so I suppose what adding velocity to the mix, if you can get a precise velocity reading on your training and how, how fast you're going every set, that then tells you, that quantifies the quality of your training. So if you go into the gym and you do 120 kilo squat for three reps and normally you lift it at 0.6 to 0.7 meters per second and all of a sudden you're only doing sort of 0.5 to 0.55, well, I'm a little slower today. Either are you, you know, not motivated, so you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, are you getting sick? Are you stressed? Are you sore from the running you did two days ago? Or are you just fatigued? And so then you go, okay, that set was a little down. I'll do it again. Let's see if I can pick that up. If I can't, maybe I need to do a deload. Maybe I need to adjust my training based on that velocity. So you can use it to motivate. You can, I'm doing a series at the moment where you just give athletes feedback 
yep. and that feedback then helps them lift up. Right, last time you did six six markers, try and get six eight point yep. six eight meters per second on this next set. Try and beat yourself from last time. Or we're lifting side by side. I get a point six eight. It's like Marcus trying to get point seven. See if you can beat Jacob. So yeah. it's like a competitive kind of thing. So you can create that. You can use it to auto-regulate training, which is what I was explaining before, where you, yeah. you know, today you did this, you're down 20% to normal. Maybe you're a little fatigued. Maybe you should adjust your training based on that thing. And so you can combine your velocity metrics with things like RPE systems, so rating yeah. of perceived exertion or RIR, uh, reps in reserve systems. And when you've got a good RPE, so, okay, Marcus, what was that RPE? I was about a seven. Oh, I disagree. Your velocity numbers are way down compared to normal. Yeah. sometimes we anchor so rpe is a great system but often athletes will anchor once they've done 100 kilos at a seven rpe it will forever be a seven rpe yeah. and so the velocity kind of keeps you honest you yeah. can't really cheat your bar velocity and so that then tells you actually you're a bit fatigued today these are these are heavier than they normally are for your nervous system so it might be a day to do less volume drop the weights back don't do as much accessory work you might play around with it that way and yeah. then you can also program it so you can plan things and you're just programming all right by preseason, we want to be lifting 150 kilos. But we want to be lifting 150 kilos for three reps at sort of a 0.5 meters per second velocity, for example. So you can program out and have milestones based not just around how much weight can you lift, but how fast can you lift, how explosively can you move. Yeah, that's awesome. I think pretty much explained it there. So that I definitely will understand that yeah. as well. How often, I suppose, would you use it with your athletes? Yeah, it depends. So part of what I'm trying to do with that Instagram page, VBT Coach, is to tell to educate people with different ideas and tips and tricks they can yeah. use so they can just kind of play around and start experimenting because yeah. i think what oftentimes we, we'll read a couple of research papers or read a blog or a, a whole website of bbt stuff and go ah i need to do everything all at once and we kind of yeah. throw it in our athletes and throw it into the program but that's not always the best way because first of all it's overwhelming it's time consuming it requires yeah. a lot of technology often that's expensive um, and if your athletes don't understand the numbers, all of a sudden you're throwing all these decimal places and meters per second and watts per kilo and all these things at them. Mm. And they're not fully going to understand well, what does that even mean? So sometimes just starting with a bite, like just start with the leaderboard. All right. What's your, what's the best velocity you can do at one times body weight on your back squat. If that's yeah. an exercise you do a lot of in your gym and just put a leaderboard up and go, okay, who can get on, who can get on that top five for that exercise. And then they can understand, okay, they want velocity and, and not just the top weight, but also my middle sets as well. How yeah. fast and how explosively can I lift those? So starting with that, and you could do it every single session. You could do it fortnightly, monthly, quarterly. You do an annual profile. It, it, it's really quite an, ex, an extensive toolkit. It's not yeah. a philosophy. It's not a programming system per se. And it's not a type of training like the name suggests, yeah. but it's just different ways of either motivating, engaging, yeah. monitoring, regulating your athletes over time. So ideally you would do it every single session. You'd collect velocity every single rep you did. If that was allowed with the, you know, the amount of athletes you have, the time you have, the equipment, technology, things like that. Yeah. And then you'd just be collecting that data. And then maybe you might start some spreadsheets, regression chart, depends how much time and how sophisticated you want to go with it could be as simple as you just track velocity and you try and yeah. beat what you did last time. It could be yeah. as simple as that, or it could be as sophisticated as what's your rolling six week average for yeah. velocity at hundred kilos and then see how that's changing over time, things like that. That's awesome. I think it's a great tool to have and, and for people to understand as well, that uh, coaches and you know, for athletes mm. to um, have an idea. Wait, do you have one at the gym as well? Hey, what, what, sorry? You have velocity um, tracker at the gym or do you have one yourself? Yeah. Or? 
Yeah, yeah. Yep, we have we have a couple. Um, we play around with a few different ones uh, just to test them out and use them yeah. different times. Um, we don't because of the number of athletes we have. We only usually use it more intermediate to advanced level lifters. It's yeah. not usually thrown on for our novice stuff. Yeah. Um, and because of the way the gym kind of flows, where it's very sort of lots of supersetting and moving back and forth for exercises. We tend just to sort of use it in blocks. So if an athlete yeah. needs a bit of a velocity block or they need to start monitoring that instead of just chasing top weight, yeah. we'll throw it in there or we'll get athletes to check it. Yeah, just monthly or, or bi-monthly, like I mentioned. Yeah. Um, so kind of we throw it around and, and do it in different ways like that. There's no, we don't have a set philosophy in how we use it. We let our coaches be pretty dynamic in how they program it. But the devices there, either the athlete then downloads the app and uses it on their phone or yep. um, they'll use one of our NGM iPads and they'll collect the data that way. And we usually bring things back to a Google sheet of some sort. Yep. Um, we've got a few different ones depending on what we're doing uh, and whether they're, you know, they're tracking their one RMs or their curve scores or uh, just their uh, low velocity profile or just their top, top weight versus velocity type tracking and then trying to beat that every week. Yeah, perfect. That's really good. And uh, that's cool ways to be able to use it as well. This next one is a bit of a broad question. I said, I'm going to ask you, what do you guys look for? For an SSC, like a strength conditioning program, or maybe maybe how you structure how you structure the program at uh, Core Advantage. Oh, that's a big question. Um, we have yeah, we have close to two hundred athletes. Uh, yeah. a split split across twenty sports, uh, and we have a team of I think it's four or five coaches who do programming. Um, so there are full time and permanent part time coaches who do co- who do programming on the regular. Yeah. Um, we have. Have a, we have a philosophy at Craig that sort of follows three rules, which is yep. do no harm. So first thing first, don't make your athletes worse for having met you. Um, second is prevent preventable injury. So if you have a bunch of basketballers, they need strong ankles. They yep. need healthy knee tendons, so, uh, patella tendons, so they don't have issues there. And then the third thing is enhanced performance. Yeah. A lot of people think those three things in that order means, oh, well, you're not doing any performance enhancement until months down the track. But a good program incorporates all three of those things at the same time. So a good program is both safe, it helps people stay healthy, so it's safe and it increases safety and it improves performance all at the same time. So once those three things are sort of taken into consideration and our exercise selection meets those three or a number of those three criteria, then how the program is structured really just follows good scientific principles. Fast to slow, heavy to light, big to small, plyos before you're lifting. We do cluster set work, we do post-activation potential work. But because we have such a broad range of athletes and a broad range of skill sets, each program, while it follows the same skeleton, has a very different end finished, you know, exercises in an order on sheet of paper or yeah. a tablet. So I suppose it's a hard question to answer because there is no one program. There is no one way to program. Yeah. We see a program and we go, okay, does it follow you know, those three rules? Yeah. Does it have good exercises or is it full of burpees and Russian twists and things that yeah. hurt and are painful and will you know, make you sweat but won't improve your performance as yeah. a footballer, dancer, track and field athlete, whatever it might be. So it's about, it's about balancing those things. So does it, are they a competent athlete? Are they doing cleans? Yeah. But then you see cleans on a piece of paper. How are they actually being done in real world? Is it a beautiful explosive clean with a moderate weight or is it heavy and grindy with an ugly catch or is it too light and too floaty? How do their plyometrics look? So the program is then dictated by the quality of its execution and how well it's coached as well. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of what is good. Um, But then also, you know, there, there are no, or there are bad programs um, and there are bad exercises, I believe. Um, 
but not all programs are all bad. Yeah. So some programs you see, like a, a classic example is I've worked with some some um, programs in the past where you sort of come in as, a, as I suppose a a consulting strength and conditioning coach, not actually the deliverer. And the yeah. athlete will give you the program they've got from a personal trainer or from a, a well-meaning friend. And it's a sort of a, it's a basketball program. It's in season and it's a time under tension program. Yeah. And so you look at all these tempos, it's four, two, four X kind of tempo stuff. And you, and you look at it and you go four by 12, three by 12, four by 15, whatever it might be, you go through the exercises. And the note at the top of the program says the program should be completed in 45 minutes, 45 minutes yeah. to 60 minutes. Okay. Normal program, normal exercises. But then when you add up all the tempo time required for those four by 15 and four by 12 and everything included, it adds up to like 90 minutes of tension, Yeah. let alone the rest time and the setup time between sets. And, and so the question there is like, this coach didn't even test this program yeah. or do the logic on could this program be done? They've just gone, oh, I've heard about tempos, throw in the tempos. Yeah. And that's a bad execution of a great tactic. So yeah. Tempo training, you know, getting athletes to control position is great for learning, great for hypertrophy, rehab, lots of benefits. But for a basketballer in season, doing 90 minutes of time under tension yeah. is a terrible idea. That's a terrible especially when you've said it should be done in 45 minutes. It's yeah. physically impossible. Yeah. So I think programming and to understanding the principles, understanding the, the components of good programs, whether it be using velocity-based training and using velocity to guide decisions whether it be using uh, testing day numbers and percentage-based program, doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's just, are you applying those different bits in the right hole? Yeah. So taking tempo training and going, the whole program is tempo training and you're in season. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Doing some tempo work, maybe on your biceps or maybe on your wall sits or your knee extensions or calf, calf raises, for example, for tendon yeah. health. Brilliant idea. Yeah. Two or three exercises, fantastic. But the whole program, like, Where's the power training? Where's the explosive work? Where's the you know different factors that, that athlete might need yeah. um, needs to be considered? So it's it's all about parts of a whole. Understand yeah. the parts as a coach. Understand the parts, understand the components. But then the artful bit is how you combine those parts for the given individual or yeah. for the given group of individuals. And I think I like the as I said before, like how you do you guys do you have to set principle base on it as well i think that's a really good idea to have your own yeah own spin on it as well and also like when you're explaining about those rules too like do no harm i think i always think we're professionals like we've got someone's life and like our health life in our hands and we don't want to break them or their career um, they're if they're about to be a professional athlete and yeah. they're about to get paid for what they do yeah and you break them you make them worse doing those deadlifts or those yeah. deep squats or you know, burpees, whatever it might be, bench press, every, every exercise has a certain level of risk and reward. Yeah. And so it's about understanding what those risks are. Yeah. So you can then be able to go, okay, those are the risks. These are the potential rewards. What's that balancing act look like? Yeah. And then go, okay, there's a whole heap of risk with this exercise, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, there's a handful of rewards. Do I trust that athlete to do that with imbalance? Or can I find a better exercise that has less risks yeah. and potentially more rewards because we've only got a certain um, certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy from our athletes. So yeah. we should be directing it to the things that are the highest bang for buck, I yeah. think is a really good, really important term to remember. Is okay. this exercise high reward for the effort we're putting into it? Are we getting out of it what we want? Yeah, love those answers there. And then I suppose I'm just going to touch on there as well. Even with your program, how someone just gives and probably hasn't tried on themselves. I like the idea of sometimes even with my clients or that I'll, even sometimes run, run through the program myself or just see like time yeah. or just things that are 
going to work if it's like, and then you can see on yourself or how you feel after and how they're going to feel after is another good way of yep. adjusting it if you need to as well. I think it's essential because like, and even little things like gym logistics, like, okay, I've paired this exercise with this exercise. Yeah. And then you go to the gym and go, oh, that one's all the way over there. And then that one's all the way over there. Yeah. It's like, well, they're not going to do that. They're going to spend more time walking than they are going to do exercising. Yeah. So we'll have it. I put that with that because they're in the same corner and then these two together there in the middle and then you can go that way. Yeah. Um, Durham uh, did a great, uh, learned a great lesson of that early on and he shared that with, shares that with our interns every semester where he learned about this uh, dunking drill that the uh, Chicago Bulls did back in the 90s. as like a conditioning, conditioning yeah. repeat jumping kind of drill where they would do repeat dunks from sort of the key line. They yeah. go the key, then the dunk and repeat. He's like, I'm going to do that with my WNBL athletes. We're going to lower the ring bit of fun get some dunking in them get the girls practicing their jumping skill yeah um and they're going to do new 90 seconds of this for three rounds durham managed to uh tear an abdominal muscle doing <laughs> that when he tested it before he gave the athletes so had he given it to that to a group of professional yeah. WNBL athletes he could have had three torn abdominals yeah. or some other issue that came up and he goes oh i better scrap that yeah. if i the fit strength and conditioning coach who's body aware and understands all these things but i hurt myself that's not going to be a great idea for my athletes so yeah you hear about things that might be applied and might have got been, been gotten away with in their certain context, say at the Chicago yeah. Bulls or wherever it might have been, um, and you try them and go, the reward just isn't worth the risk here. Let's just run suicides instead or, you know, 10 in ones, whatever it might be, do a different drill to get the same stimulus in terms of conditioning in that, situ- in that situation, yeah. Yeah, that's Always, it. yeah, coach has got it. You've got to practice what you preach. You yeah. You've got to test, right. test it out before you give it off. That's right. Yeah, I love that. Uh, last question I just want to touch on is for students that are starting out in the industry or going through maybe their degrees or personal training um, certificates, um, what would some, some advice be to give them? Yeah, two, I think two points. Consume. Consume content, yep. whether it be research papers, blog articles, podcasts, books. Reading is one of the most underrated skills there is, whether yeah. it be textbooks or nonfiction books or fiction books. Being able to read a whole book, you know, 200 and something pages, start to finish and understand it will help you be able to read Instagram better and be able to read blog posts better and the news better because you'll be able to understand and interpret things better because your reading skill is better. So I think consume a whole heap of stuff. And when consuming, curate the stuff that you are getting in. So don't just go out and find whatever fitness person with a whole bunch of followers on Instagram. Find a couple of those, find some ones you like, but also find some ones you don't like and disagree yeah. with and start reading the things and going, oh, I disagree with that and go, why? Yeah. Why do I disagree with this? Do they have a different point of view? Do they have a different population in which that example or that context would work? And so therefore I just have different athletes. So I don't work with many baseballers, for example. Maybe that thing works for baseballers, but not for basketballers, yeah. for example. Uh, and then the second point, while you're consuming, have an open rookie mindset. Pretend like you don't know anything yet and then consume the information and go, okay, how's that fit with everything I do know? Then you bring in the stuff you already know and go, okay, is that new? Is that novel? Does that kind of confirm what I was already kind of theorizing and thinking? Or is that completely different? And is that now new and novel and interesting? So I think too often we get a couple of years in and we go, ah, I know everything. This is the way, follow this path. And we don't spend time thinking more broadly and looking and reading and consuming more broadly to go, oh, powerlifting. I haven't really done much powerlifting. That's interesting the way they program. You know, you might not agree with sumo deadlifts. You might not agree with bench press all the way down with a barbell. You might not agree with these things, 
but the way they program their sets and reps and the way they use RPE or the way they use rest periods might be something that applies to something you use or the coaching cues they use on their back squat, for example, might apply to your single leg squatting. Yeah. There might be little things. You can always get a little something from these different places that you might not expect it. So have an open mind, curate your feeds. So be aware of what it is that's coming up on your Instagram. Don't just consume blindly. Think about what people are putting out. Think about where they're coming from when they say it and then find these good pages. So find good things you like, good podcasts, whatever it might be and in stay in tune and stay in touch with them regularly so you can get all the great bits. Because there's so much out there available for free or there's, you know, there's paid courses like the stuff you can find on coreadvantage.training. Yeah. Um, there's great paid stuff as well. Um, and a lot of it has really good information, but remember it's coming from a certain direction. So remember that, you know, it's not so much a bias, but if someone's used to working with junior athletes, they might have a different view to someone who's used to working with senior populations. So keep those things in mind while you're looking at stuff. Perfect. Now, there's some great points there. So I know listeners are definitely going to take those on board as well. Thank you so much for your time today, Jacob. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure, Marcus. It's been fun. Where can listeners keep up to date on socials or anything? Or is, I'll put the links for the internship and the online as well for listeners to check that yep. out. Yeah, so coreadvantage.training is where all our education stuff and content is held. Uh, we have a bunch of courses that are CEC certified for the Australian personal trainer crew. They need to get their 20 CECs. Um, our courses are certified in that. They're all delivered online. You've got access to us through forums and things like that if you want to go deeper into the content as well. Uh, there's a bunch of short courses. There's longer courses as well. There's complete sort of, I suppose we call them master courses where it's kind of more of a complete picture as well. Uh, and then we have the internship, which is the in-house. It takes some of the content from the online products and the online courses um, and then includes that with the, the practical component in the gym as well. So applications are open for that all the time for the next semester, sort of six months in advance. There's a February intake and a July intake. Uh, you'll find those on coreadvantage.com.au. So we have, we're running two websites, kind of our education and our education products website. And then we have our sort of our um, in-gym website. They'll be merged soon, but in the next sort of year or so. Um, and then uh, on social media, we've got core underscore advantage is the, the company Instagram. And then mine is VBT coach, all one word. So VBT coach, uh, I've just started out there doing a little more on the VBT content. So that's something that's interesting. Um, you want to get a few more practical takeaways or dive a little deeper into the research. I'm a bit on there. Um, so check it out if you like. Um, shoot me a message. Happy to chat. Love, love talking about that sort of stuff. Find it very interesting. Um, and I always like more people they hear more about. So if there's something in that area that you specifically want to hear about, then I can start some content in that direction as well sort of by popular demand, I suppose, if you will. Awesome. No, thank you. I'll be chucking in the show notes so you guys will be able to check all that out. And yeah, if you have any questions for Jacob, please just give a message through um, his socials there as well. Thank you so much again for your time. I've absolutely loved this chat. It's been really great. I look forward to sharing it with you guys as well. So we'll uh, see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day.